Welcome to the Culture Quest podcast. Today, in Tavern Talk, me and Barrier will play the Lost in Translation game. Then in the main discussion, we'll talk about Radiohead's 2000 album, Kid A. Then Barrier will introduce the topic of next episode, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Hello, and welcome to the Culture Quest. We are but humble adventurers, and today, we try the best we can best we can is good enough. With me, as always, are Peter. How do you do? And Barrio. How do you do? And I am Inon. Thank you, the listeners at home, for taking part in our noble quest. Today, we're discussing Kid A by Radiohead, a music album from the year 2000 that marked a turn in the style of one of the biggest rock bands of the time. But before we do that, how about some tavern talk? <laughs> we should keep that. That was good. <laughs> Today for Tavern Talk, I've prepared a little game. It's called Missing in Translation. I've taken a few lines from movies, music, books, TV shows, and put them through the Google Translate service. Each line is originally in English, and I've translated it to Hebrew, then to Arabic, then to Zulu, and then to Chinese, and back to English. I'll read you the results of these translations, and you'll have to tell me the original quote, where it's from, and who said it. I think half of these are from stuff we've done in the podcast. Maybe less than half, but some are from stuff we've already discussed in the podcast. And obviously, the listeners at home can play along, see if you get the right answer faster than my fellow adventurers. And uh, just before we start, I have to say that the Translate service... It's gotten so much better than I remembered it. When it was new, I used to sit and play with it, and like just a single translation could totally fumble the meaning of a sentence. But when I prepared this little game, there were plenty of long, really complicated sentences that went through all the translations, and they came out not perfectly identical to the original, but definitely close enough. So uh, well done, Google. I think I'd say most of these aren't too hard, right? Like I didn't go for obscure stuff. So... The first one, I think, is fairly easy, so I'm going to use it as an example. Are you guys ready? Yep. Oh my god, I'm so stressed. The first quote is this. He is Harry's magic. What? He is Harry's magic. Okay, magic might be... Uh, I think I think I know what it is, Barrio, but is it You're a Wizard Harry by Hagrid? Perfect. <laughs> what? But, but, but how is it... Do I need to translate it? Oh. What's what's the you're a wizard, what? Harry, which is from the first. I think it's in the book, but the the meme is is from the first movie, right? <laughs> that doesn't have anything to do with your. You are a wizard, Harry. I do prefer the original. <laughs> it works better. <laughs> Got a wizard, Harry. <laughs> okay, so are you guys ready for the yeah, next one? That's good. Oh wow, it's it's hard. I think you're gonna get this. Oh, okay, so this is the next one. It's a bit longer. Here it is. When I disappear, I will be the last of my grandfather. Power to work hard for your family to impart the knowledge learned. Hmm, God, so I'm just, I'm be... just clueless. Like, I guess it's when, when I'm gone, I will be the last of my kind or something like that. Mm, yeah. But yeah. Who is but... the last of their kind in, in terms of stuff we've done or just in general? Power to work hard for your family. Um, impart the knowledge learned. Honestly, if you said it, I didn't change any words and it was just Marcus Aurelius, page 67, I would almost <laughs> believe you. Yeah. There's less lemons yeah, right. than I expect, but still. <laughs> let me know. Let me know if you need a hint. Barrio, what are you, are you yeah, thinking? Yeah, we need a hint. 
No, no, okay. no I'm, I'm blank. <laughs> the first hint will always be whether we've done it in the show or not. Okay. And the second hint will be what kind of media it is. So the first hint is, no, we haven't talked about it on, oh, on the Culture Quest. That helps. Oh. Like, we've mentioned it. It's a franchise that we've mentioned more than once, but okay, I... we haven't done an episode about it. Okay, uh, I know, maybe, I know maybe, what I think. Maybe Star Wars? Maybe it's Star That's Wars? That's what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah. Um, is it Star Wars? It is, it is. Yeah, so it sounds like... Do the voice. It sounds like Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is cruel to transform a Yoda sentence, which is already in some sense transformed. <laughs> That's rough. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> Do you guys know the original quote? Like, you got the character, you got the franchise. You, you don't have to give it to me word for word. I don't know it. Give me the answer. So you said it's Yoda. Who's who is it talking to? To Luke. Exactly. Like I don't think that Yoda and Luke ever talk outside of of Dagobah. So the original quote is this: "When gone am I? The last of the Jedi will you be? The Force runs strong in your family. Pass on what you have learned." Let's break this down. "When gone am I? The last of the Jedi will you be?" is translated into "When I disappear, I will be the last of my grandfather." That last of my grandfather is is interesting because I don't know what I don't know where the Jedi crops up there, but it translates into grandfather somehow. And then power to work hard for your family comes from the force runs strong in your family. Force power. Which okay. yeah. yeah. And then to impart the knowledge learned is pass on what you have learned. That totally makes which, sense. That last sentence is yeah. fine. Yeah. Exactly. I just keep thinking that there is some country where in their native language it's like the last of the grandfathers <laughs> return of the grandfathers return of the grandfathers <laughs> okay here's the next one it's a bit shorter everyone come to play remove any final processing go shopping today <laughs> honestly I think I've seen cards in like hotel rooms in China that have sincerely thought that would mean something and have just <laughs> yeah. put it next to us. Like, just let us know, you know. Come to play if you want. Keys on the stove. Have a have a day, bless. Like That's great fortune cookie material right yeah. there. Remove any final processing. Deep. Deep. That just feels like shed your algorithm, sir. It just feels yeah. so odd. Any final process? What? <laughs> I don't know what... I feel like I'm meant to understand what the final processing like means in just generic terms. Everyone come non -Google to play. Non-Googleified terms. Uh, it might not even be worth trying to, like, pivot to whatever <laughs> that is. That's, like, the equivalent of being, like, in the corner on Twister and just trying to, like, somehow do the splits <laughs> and get over to the other side. Like, it's, uh, sometimes you just have to give up. Um, what's... Okay. Everyone come to Does play. Does it sound familiar Does, at all? I, yeah. I, what it feels like is something to do with the wreckers. It, like, that's like wreck and rule or something is like go shopping. No, surely it's not. <laughs> I don't know. It, it just feels like something a wreckers would say. Like, everyone come to play. Yeah, the processing Remove is, any is final processing. Go shopping today. <laughs> like, it feels like they're trying to sell me a toy, you know? I... I Again, I have no idea. Do, can you tell us if it's in the show or not? The first hint, we haven't talked about this on The Culture Quest. Again, this is a franchise that we've mentioned. This is something we've talked about. I think even very specifically this line, but we didn't have an episode about this. Okay, so it could be infinite about 
infinite less 20. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can uh, we have the other clue? It's, it's kind of like... <laughs> Do you want the second clue? Yeah. It's from a TV show. Okay, that's good enough. Um, well, it's not, but I mean, I'm trying to be polite. Um, How much your mother? How much your mother? It's let's go to the mall. Oh yes! Everybody, um, come and play. Remove any fun. Yes, it is. Really? <laughs> yep. Let's yes, go yes, to the mall today. <laughs> Remove any rhino processing. Yeah. <laughs> Let me try to think about the original quote. Um, everybody, um, come and play. I think it could be come and play, and then. Yeah. It is. Um, uh, uh, take your worries away. <laughs> Remove any final processing. That's like the robot from the <laughs> from the clip. The I think that could be uh, it. Take take your worries today. Let's go to the mall today. Everybody, come and play. Throw every last care away. Oh. Let's go to the mall today. <laughs> Remove any final processing. I loved it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Such a Google thing to do. Are you ready for the next one? Yeah, let's do it. Wait, so we got three out of three so far, right? No, no, no. <laughs> We've got... <laughs> uh, so the first one was a test, and then we <laughs> didn't get the Yoda one. And this one, I'd say it definitely did. Yeah, okay. I'm happy with that. You realize it was Yoda and from Star Wars? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, you had to find like the actual quote. Okay, okay. So the next one, I think, should be easy. And it's short. Mm, okay. Ready? Yep. Here it is. We need a big ship. Oh, we're going to need a bigger boat. Bye. Damn, I'm actually forgetting the characters' names. The only one I can think of is is Quint. I know there's Hooper as well. Yeah, but who said this quote? I, I feel like it's the main character. I'm trying to think about his name. <laughs> yeah, his name is Chief Brody. Chief Brody. Uh, Chief Brody. Yeah, but you got it. We, we need a big ship is we're going to need a bigger boat by Chief Brody in Jaws. That's a good translation, actually. Really, really not bad. I mean, if he said that, I feel like, well, I mean, they never got the boat, so it wouldn't have really changed it, would it? It's a bit rhetorical. But I mean, if if somehow they could have got a bigger boat and they said, we need a big ship, <laughs> well, they would have got a big ship, I guess, either way. So <laughs> that's fine. That works. Here, here's the next one. It, it's longer. The quote is, I wake up a little bit dead every morning. I can also stand up with my two feet. She looked in the mirror and cried, Sir, what did you do to me? Holy crap. Mm. <laughs> this feels very Faye Valentine-ish. No, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't take... Like, we watched it in Japanese. We... I watched it in Japanese. I, d I haven't watched Cowboy Bebop in English. Oh, uh, okay. Like, it's probably like every... Like, I die... Oh, yeah, yeah. I die I, a little I bit. I... All right. I wake I up a little bit dead. So it's not dead, obviously. It's just... Just a little bit dead. I... What's going on? That's so not it. Oh man, <laughs> sure. Because like it's when I wake up every morning. I'm not sure of the lyrics. So. I said, sir, what did you do to me? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. We need the hint. I think we got to take the hint. All right. So we mentioned this song on an episode, song. but it wasn't on the album. We've covered an album. It wasn't on it, but we've mentioned this song. Mm, okay. So we could potentially have Beach Boys 
songs yeah. or deja vu sort of mm-hmm. Crosby Stills Nash Young. This hint focuses it up a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so it's probably uh, Beach Boys because at least me, I wouldn't know. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, no. Because I thought it was like... Penny Lane? Because um, there's the day in the life which says, woke up, got out of bed, dragged a comb across my head, but there's no comb, so... It's a band we've talked about specifically on one of our episodes. Uh, okay. Which bands have we talked about? Flight of the Concords. No. Oh, Crosby Stills? No, it's not CSNY. Beach Boys? No. There's one more I think you haven't mentioned. Oh my god. How did I forget Queen? Queen! That totally slipped my mind. We'll just cut out all that where I forgot our own catalogue. Oh, it's uh, um, Find Me Somebody to Love. Each morning I get up, I die a little. Can barely stand, take a look in the mirror and cry. Oh, Lord, what you're doing to me? (laughs) Awesome. Oh, my God. Exactly. I really thought you guys were going to get this one, but honestly... It's tough on this side of the fence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When I've translated it and I looked at the results, I can't really estimate how hard it will be for you guys. Yeah, it's so so out of context. It, yeah. it sounds more like, you know, an, an Edgar Allan Poe story than a Queen song. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So the next one is shorter and it'll all make sense when we're done. <laughs> Here it is. That was the best of time. The hardest time. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Exactly. Where is that from? Uh, Shakespeare. Mm. No. No. <laughs> uh, Shashank oh, is it? Is it Alvi Al, Al Singer? No, 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 no. It's from A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens. Dickens. Haven't, haven't read it. This was a culture test. <laughs> <laughs> uh, showing our unculturedness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. I had to Google it as well. <laughs> Here is the next line. This is just a little girl in the city, living in an infected country, riding I a midnight know. train to I everywhere. Know. It's easy. Yeah, by the end, it becomes kind of... Uh, uh, yeah, I do. It's, it's like a country song. Uh, not a country song, but... Um, da, 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 da. Yep. Mario, do you know the, the Just original... Just a small town girl living in an infected country. <laughs> <laughs> she took the midnight train going anywhere. <laughs> What's the name of the band? Journey. Or the name of the song? Uh, the name of the song... Damn, I don't, don't stop, stop believing. believing. <laughs> well done. The next one is this. I want to be number one because there was no one before. <laughs> I think that's Pokemon. <laughs> I want to be the very best like no one ever was. Bum, bum, <laughs> yep, that's a Pokemon theme song. Uh, Peter, have you ever watched the, the Pokemon anime? Uh, absolutely no exposure. I know that there was a few people playing Pokemon Go in my city because you'd be <laughs> in a park and there'd be eight cars that would just um, plug themselves right outside where you are and you thought it would be like an undercover CIA investigation <laughs> and you'd be like paused between running but then you know you're innocent but you're thinking, well, I don't know, like maybe I'm not going to get a chance for testimony and, <laughs> and so you're kind of panicking, you're sweating and then they'll take out their phones and then you're like, ah, they're going to like get some evidence or something and you're looking around to see the where there's like a body or something around you and then all of a sudden they press their phone screens and then they go, eh, got it, and then they get back in their car and like go somewhere else. So that's, yeah. A Pokemon Go gang. <laughs> I'm not sure if it sounds like very adventurous or just nerdy as hell. <laughs> it depends on what music they're playing. 
Because our city's quite spread out, so people weren't exactly, like, doing the intended thing of, like, just, oh, look, there's a Pokemon Go over here. Let's go to the corner. Like, they would just be, like, traveling for, like, 500Ks just to get it and then, like, grumble off, you know? When we were kids, when we were, like, 10, we watched Pokemon every day. So I wasn't sure if you had the same experience or not. Absolutely not. Here's the next line. It's a shorter one, maybe the toughest one. Here it is. If you only wear a suit, don't do it. We can make a song out of all these. If you only wear a suit, don't do it. You know, like, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Um, if you only, if you only wear... wear a suit, I don't feel like do it. suit has got to be has has come out of the wash differently there because I feel like it could just be anything. It could just be like clothes or something. Um, so if there's definitely like an if there, like a if you only wear a suit. Damn you, Peter! I, I can just, I can only read it in in your music. Don't yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what it reminds me of, it reminds me of the. I, th- I can't remember, but it's like I'm nothing without this suit. Or oh, if you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it, or something like that. It feels like one of those lines. Perfect, that really? That's perfect. You just, you got it. If you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. Word for That's, word, um, Peter. Um, <laughs> Spider-Man, uh, Homecoming. Yeah, who said it? Tony to Parker. Tony to Parker. Tony Stark to Peter Parker. That was actually what I was thinking of as well. I don't know if it's been said in other wow. ways. But well, well done, Peter. That is actually just incredible. That, this is my best moment on the show so far, I think. <laughs> yeah, so the suit didn't change at all throughout all the <laughs> translations <laughs> it got simplified didn't it? i mean i know they pay rdj quite a lot for these movies so i don't know maybe it would have been budget wise if they just shortened every line to like if you only wear a suit don't do it <laughs> if they could just real get the get the shooting done in a few days you know <laughs> okay here's the next one if there is noise on the phone don't be afraid now this is just a pure relative of queen may yes you can perform two steps but as time goes by, there is still time to change your way. What? If there is something on your... Don't be alone now. Oh, yeah. It's just a... I actually don't know the lyrics because Led Zeppelin have notoriously shite lyrics. But um, <laughs> Yeah, it's like, uh, if uh, there's a bustle in your hair, don't be alarmed now. It's just a fury for the May Queen. Yes, there are two paths you can go by, but in the long run, there's still time to change the road you're on. If there's a bustle in your hedgerow, don't be alarmed now. It's just a sprinkling for the May Queen. Yes, there are two paths you can walk by, but in the long run, there's still time to change the road you're on. Led Zeppelin, Highway to Hell. No, I'm kidding. Story to heaven. Uh, <laughs> that could be a fun one. Well, I had a brain aneurysm for a second. So if there's a bustle in your hedgerow is, is translated into if there's noise on the phone. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. I like that. I actually don't really know what bustle in your hedgerow means, but it just feels like some like thorn in your side or something. Oh, yeah, noise on your phone. <laughs> That's the ultimate sign of something that went wrong. This is how you know we're never going to be taken over by robots. Uh, yeah. You don't need the Chinese room. You just need to do this experiment. <laughs> okay, so here's the next one. If the choice is bitter, 
Drag is enough. <laughs> I knew this would come up. It had to come up. That's, that's Marcus Aurelius. <laughs> if your if your lemon is bitter, sap, bitter, then throw it away. Is that close? Almost. If your sandwich, no, it wasn't. If your cucumber, <laughs> if your cucumber is. Uh... I still can't remember what it was. Is it cucumber? So the 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 original line is: If your cucumber is bitter, throw it away. That is enough. I don't know why, but I've been living thinking <laughs> it was a lemon. How cucumber became choice? <laughs> if the choice is bitter, drag is enough. I don't know how it happened. But yeah, Marcus Aurelius, meditations. <laughs> I don't know why, but I thought we settled on lemon or something. I can't remember. I, I thought it was lemon, but I, all right, whatever. Cucumber does feel the most fanciful, doesn't it? No. <laughs> <laughs> so fancy. Cucumber. Like, whenever I try to remember this sentence, I always imagine a sandwich for some reason. Like, if your sandwich is not good, throw it away. I guess my life is good because I never had a bitter cucumber. Yeah, that's true, actually. I always associate bitter with lemon, so. But, no, lemon is sour, not bitter. That's the exact same thing you said in the trivia episode. (laughs) Oh, my God. As soon as, like, we get all of our um, sort of wheels on the same track, then we'll just relive reality. Like, it'll just be determined again. (laughs) We'll have the same like synapses firing, mm. and then yeah, that's that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of depressing <laughs> that we we just close the loop. Yep. <laughs> cool. And to finish things off, here's one other quote. Now, this one is for the listeners to solve, and I will not reveal the answer to this until someone tweets or emails us the correct answer, even if it takes a hundred episodes. I wanted to use this opportunity to do a quote that I like, and this one is very near and dear to my heart. It's one of my all-time favorite quotes. It's a bit more obscure than the rest, but it's not wildly unknown. Here is the quote. Most importantly, the shadows are moving and the stars are always there. I cannot say that this day is over. I am not saying that it is good for the stars. I know the answer. Cool. So if you know what this is, send us uh, the answer by email, by Twitter, or whatever you want. The ways to contact us are in the show notes. Okay, so today we are talking about Radiohead. Radiohead is an experimental rock band formed in 1985. They're English. And their band members are Tom York. He's the main vocalist and writes all the songs, or most of the songs. And he also plays guitar and keyboards. So um, I've, I've seen a few of their live performances, and um, he usually plays the guitar on those. Then there's the brothers, Johnny and Colin Greenwood. And Johnny does the lead guitar and is also a keyboardist. And his brother, Colin, is the bassist. And then there's Ed O'Brien, who's backing vocals and guitar. Uh, there's Philip Selway, who does the drums. So a brief history of Radiohead, their debut single Creep was allegedly recorded in one take and the band didn't actually know they were recording at the moment. They were just sort of rehearsing and they were rolling the tapes. But, you know, this is all speculation and, you know, bands sometimes claim this kind of stuff. So Johnny didn't like the um, track too much. I think it was a little bit too soft. And he added some real heavy guitar parts, you know, some chinks and some long riffs and stuff. And it ended up working really well for the song. And uh, the single wasn't that big in the UK. 
However, in the US, it caught on and they ended up launching into like, not the band that they are, but you know they they were much more popular than what they were pre this song. It appeared on their debut album called Pablo Honey, um, which was released the year later in 1993. And that album at the time was much loved by fans, not so much anymore, but it uh, for the time it was praised by fans, not so much by critics either. But um, they eventually got tired of playing pretty much every song, especially Creep, on that album. <laughs> and um, if you listen to the album now, you might see why I've listened to the album. It, it, it doesn't age as well as pretty much any other album they have. Anyway, so they started playing new sort of things they were trying out on tour. They were just trying to think about different songs they want to play just to get away from their first album. And these songs more or less formed their second album called The Bends, so B-E-N-D-S. The second album included six different singles. Wow. And really launched the band's popularity even further. Although their third album, OK Computer, really sort of brought them into international fame, this this is sort of the one that will first come out of the mouths of Radiohead sort of fans as their as the sort of defining album of their career. Although it's not necessarily the the best album, it's the one that they're known by. So in the same way that um, Dark Side of the Moon is Pink Floyd's sort of you know, flag album, you know, the one that everyone yeah. sort of understands, but it's not necessarily their best album. Yeah, I think with uh, OK Computer, they became one of those major bands, like yeah. one of yeah. the biggest bands in the world, right? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 sort of that, that fame level where everyone sort of just recognizes the cover art, even if they've never heard a song from it. Anyway, so then the world was pretty much at their feet. The critics were comparing their rise to something like the Beatles, which is a big claim. Yeah. Anyway, so as expectations were sky high, pretty much, their next album, they just shifted style. So in the way that Bob Dylan, as soon as you start liking something he's doing, he just shifts to something and often it divides fans quite a bit. And this next album, it was ranked at number one on Rolling Stone magazine's top 100 albums between 2000 and 2009. So as a podcast, we've looked at the top 500 of all time. And this one ranks in the 60s. However, if you just isolate 2000 to 2009, it's number one. So, numero uno. And um, probably more importantly, it's the topic of today's episode. So, the album is called Kid A. It was released on the 2nd of October, 2000. So, quite early on in the decade. It's their fourth album. And it draws influences from Electronica, uh, Krautrock, which is sort of like a German <laughs> German rock. That just says it all, really. Yeah. <laughs> and jazz with traces of their previous sort of experimental rock uh, roots as well sort of creeping in. And um, of the 10 tracks making it onto the album, there were no singles released at all. Really? Yeah, there was none at all. So they went from six on the bends to, I'm not sure how many they had on OK Computer, but they just cut it off completely. So Wow. Um, but it's also related to their marketing. They pretty much didn't do any photo shoots or interviews to promote this album. It was all just online and it was made for streaming as well. So I'm not really sure of the fundamental sort of thinking behind it, but they, I think it was a maybe a little bit of a rebellion after OK Computer because they were just, you know, sort of thrown around the world with that one. And um, this Kid A album became their first number one album in the States. And also, as I said, it's quite different to their previous albums. So at the time, it was well received, but it was also 
some fans who'd been with them obviously didn't like it and some fans that never have heard of them really liked this album for the first time. But now I think people are starting to find that it's actually one of their better albums as evidenced by the Rolling Stone magazine. So do you guys have any experience listening to Radiohead? Like, are you fans? And if not, what was this like as a first album for you guys from them? I never listened to Radiohead. Like, I used to do vocal training when I was younger, and my coach, my guide, I don't know how to call her, when I got to her place before we started, we used to drink tea, and we used to listen Mm. to music, and she used to play a lot of Radiohead. So I never listened to them on my own, but I had, like, kind of an impression of their music. And it always sounded like something I would kind of like. Like, I, I like the heaviness. I like the type of sound of the guitars and the vocals they have. But I never really sat down and listen to them. So so this is the first album of theirs that I, I listened to. And this was a bit of a weird experience for me. Not because this is kind of a weird album, but like I'm still listening to the Cowboy Bebop soundtrack. <laughs> uh, yeah. And to go from the, the flowy, atmospheric key day to the lively, wild music of Cowboy Bebop or, you know, the other way around is kind of an extreme transition. <laughs> you know, it took me a few listens to start to get this album. You know, the music in this album is not based on a lot of hooks. You know, there's not a lot of moments that stand out and repeat that you, you can kind of go by. It's kind of a harder album to get into. Usually, this type of music takes more listens to get to know, and then, you know, once you know it fairly well, then you can really start to understand how it feels or or what it's going for. And it took me a while to get into. Like, at first, it just sounded like a bunch of ideas thrown together, and after a few listens, it's it started to feel like controlled chaos, kind of. Like, it felt like the things that make it weird also give it meaning, in a way. And the music does feel a bit messy. You know, there are instruments that sound a bit dissonant and jarring. The drums sometimes feel like they're not trying to even work with the rest of the band. But if you kind of let it work, you know, if you kind of let yourself slip into the, the trance kind of feeling that the music has... If you kind of take all of it at once, then it makes sense. You know, it's it's messy, but it works. And I started to enjoy the album. Like, it, it took me a few listens, but eventually I did start to really enjoy this album. And I like it a lot. I totally like the lost, disconnected, lonely, sad feeling it has. You know, it has this weird atmosphere. And when I started to really get to know this album better, I kind of knew what to expect when I listened to it. I have to say that there were two songs that just didn't feel like anything to me. You know, a couple of songs that just Mm. didn't work. I I really like this album, but there are two songs there that kind of feel stuck to me. So I've never listened to Radiohead as well. Um, I kept hearing about them. I think during high school, like a lot of people listened to Radiohead. And I think I had in mind something that is more like Link 182. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So when diving into Kid A, I, I, I like <laughs> I double check that I'm listening to the right thing because it, it was so different from what I expected. So I listened to, <laughs> to Kid A a couple of times and even after, it wouldn't add up to what I thought Radiohead is. So I went ahead and, and listened to uh, OK Computer and that kind of had a more similar vibe to what I thought 
Radiohead is. Which makes you think, what do you think Blink-182 is? Because <laughs> Yeah, like, well, it's not. It's different from, from Blink, right? Yeah. But like, let's say that, okay, computer is more... Conventional yeah, music. Exactly. Like, Kida is totally experimental. It's more about the atmosphere, you know, just creating this overall vibe. And I actually quite enjoyed it. It, it took me by surprise, by the way. Uh, the first time that I, that I heard it, it was like after a very long day at work. I think I, I got out of the office around midnight or something. And I got like this 30 minutes walk back home. And I, I was just exhausted. Uh, I just wanted to, to sleep. And, and I said, okay, let's, let's listen to something. And it, it actually came perfectly because it really got me easily into what I assume was kind of like the mood that the, the music is guiding you to that was my first listen to it so i didn't have any any conflicts of thinking if i like it or i don't like it i just got into the mood and i listened to it a couple of times and and yeah i think it's a very special album i think i i, I enjoyed it but i gotta say um because it's so much about creating that mood today i went to a food market and and on the way i tried listening to it again and it just wasn't right like because it was morning and people were walking and everything was happy and fun and yeah, not every environment works for this album. Yeah, uh, well, I guess that's true for any album, but yeah, but that's uh, true. I think like the the best qualities of Kida is kind of like when you relax, when you let go, and kind of let the music carry you to the places that it wants to go. That that's at least my experience, and and it was a good one. I've got actually a really weird coincidence, sort of with you, Barrio. Hmm. You said you were very tired when you listened to it. Well, when I picked it for a topic and listened to it the first time, as you guys know, I had like no sleep. So I was running off maybe one hour sleep for the last like 48 hours or something. And then I decided, ah, well, I'll pick this topic. I'll just listen to the album. And like I was listening to everything in its right place and, and Kid A and the National Anthem. And there were so sort of I don't think they were intended maybe to be psychedelic, but they were very trance-like. And because I was so, like, not hallucinating, but very sort of out of it, just cognitively, the music sort of really took me. And it was incredible. It was I, I just couldn't believe how well it fit with me. So I think I, I listened to it quite a few times, actually, over the, over the next few days when I sort of couldn't really get to sleep. And it was really quite interesting. And one song in particular was was quite good being in that sort of delirious state. But even when sort of I've got back to like a normal state of health, I was surprised. Like you said it, Anon, it wasn't sort of like didn't have a lot of hooks or anything. But for me, like maybe the hooks weren't there, but it's still it was still very catchy hmm. for me. I was still in terms of repeat listens, I was constantly like just cycling through the the album having a really good time i'm just very surprised that it hit because my my musical sort of history is is just it's almost like a incomplete contrast because i'm used to sort of 60s 70s less so 80s and then 90s onwards is just sort of more unheard of for me Hmm. and um especially with the electronica and all that it's just it just doesn't really can't really identify with it which isn't which isn't a reason i wouldn't like it i mean not identifying with a certain brand of music. Like I'm sure there's there's a few country albums some people like, even if they don't really consider <laughs> themselves to be that kind of person. But um, I was just surprised how 
center of the bullseye it really hit for me everything just felt unlike a lot of electronic music it felt very genuine felt quite in earnest it felt like um they were really trying to go for something like every every song had like a particular sort of feeling that i feel like it was trying to translate to me and at least for the first few listens i feel like i just understood what they were going for it just almost like a subconscious level it hit on the right buttons for me and i just felt like i got the song there's a few albums there where maybe like pet sounds i didn't really feel like i i got the song like even though i really quite liked the melodies like i don't know if there even was something to get it felt just like easy listening almost but this one felt like especially with one of the songs i felt like before i really got it i was just listening to it it just felt like a bunch of noise and then after i got it it just all made sense and i don't get that a lot with music like only when i go really deep with an artist i find that and this was just in the first few lessons so yeah i'll make a claim now actually this might be the fa- my most favorite thing i've done on the podcast so far Wow. Oh, yeah. That's a that's a big claim. It, yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. So I, I chose it mostly because I wanted to find something to put in in the new category, like a 2000s music onwards. But I also wanted to sort of think a non-random way to, to choose. And that's why I chose whatever number one was going to be on Rolling Stones top 100 for the 2000s. That was good enough for me. Yeah. You just left the decision in their hands. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. And put all the blame on them if it goes badly. And um, Radiohead, I hadn't had much uh, experience with. I know I'd listened to two songs and I probably wouldn't even be able to name the songs that I'd listened to before. Probably the first two songs, but of um, of their big album, OK Computer. And it just never landed. I never gave them another shot. It wasn't enough to turn me off from the band, but it was definitely enough just to not really go down that avenue um, looking for new music. And, um, yeah, this was an odd one to kick off with because the sound from their previous three albums is quite different. And this one is sort of like a new style for them. So it was probably a nice, um, starting point actually, just to try to come at it as a fresh inductee into the Radiohead discography. So I had a lot of fun actually with this. And there's a few songs that I'm not sort of over the moon with, but for the most part, I find it's not flawless, but it's bordering on quite outstanding for me so i think everything in its right place is an amazing opener for an album i totally agree the 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 synthesizer has a really full and beautiful maybe a gentle kind of sound the atmosphere is a bit weird but it's not the, the worst you'll get in this album mm. and it sets the tone perfectly for the whole album it's a perfect opener everything in its right place was the first song that i listened to and was really sort of put you in the trance it was great song to open the vocals were great like you can hear like he you can hear the in breaths and the out breaths and everything like they haven't edited it to make it sound like real polished it's like You can hear all the slight quivers in his voice. It's just fantastic singing. And that's sort of why I liked it on the first listen, because I knew it wasn't so brushed and polished like a lot of the modern sort of um, drumbeat songs. The synthesizer is so clean, but his vocals yeah. are a bit dirty. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Johnny Greenwood described the first track, Everything in Its Right Place, as a turning point for the album recording. I'm um, quote, 
we knew it had to be the first song and everything just followed after it. It was recorded on Prophet 5 synthesizer with vocals processing using a scrubbing tool in Pro Tools. So I don't know about the last sentence, but <laughs> yeah, so apparently they knew it was going to be the first, the album. So I think it was a good choice. I, I, I agree with you that it's it's like a very good entrance to, to the album. It starts the journey really, really good. Even though I do like his voice in this one, I think after I listened to it maybe one too many times, I think the vocals probably don't age as well as the rest of the album. Like, they're everything. Like, it's very good, but I can see why it would drop out of, like, a frequently played sort of list. I don't know. Like, this song has a very, very specific role. It does, I, lo- yeah. I like this song, but I wouldn't just listen to it. It's just a perfect opener. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, the next song, Kid A, it's the title track of, of this album. And this is, I'm sad to say, is a song that does not work at all. This is one of your two, right? Yeah, this song just doesn't make me feel anything. I like the kind of synthesizer, I like the weird vocals, I like everything here, but this song just doesn't make me feel anything. I'll actually agree with that. This is probably like in the definitely the bottom two or three of the album for me. I'm glad to hear that. The only thing I will say, the only thing I would like counterbalance that with is I really like the vocal effect they put on. Like not the one the the song starts out with, but this weird sort of tinny sound. Like it's it feels like almost like an error or like just a like a like something like your program is stuffing up and it's like it's distorting the voice. But it, I don't know why, but it just tickles an itch. Like, it's just a... I don't know. It's very odd. You know where you you hate a food? Like, d- just the particular taste of it, like turmeric or something like that, is just... It just doesn't doesn't taste good to you at all. Well, sometimes, like, if if you just have it in its rawest form and you get this, the pure feeling of, like, just this incongruity with, like, why are you eating it, but also you're sort of like savoring the terrible taste to translate that into the the voice the voice just felt like it was just like the epitome of everything that like i wouldn't want to hear coming out of my my speaker but it just for some reason just having it in this like raw form kind of i don't know it that's the best way i can describe it it just felt very confusing but kind of nice then after kid a there's like a chunk of great songs i think Mm. Um, that goes almost all the way to the end of the album. Like, I would say that in, in the middle, there's Tree Fingers, which we'll get to. It's track number five, I think, which is an instrumental bit that sometimes I enjoy, sometimes I skip. Like, it, it depends on how much attention I'm paying to the album. Mm. Like, if it's in the background, then it's an okay song, but if I'm trying to pay attention to the music, then I kind of lose focus on this song. But from here, almost to the end of the album, each song is is strong and and... and interesting and and it hits the right place and like the first one out of these is the national anthem i love the start So the national anthem, it's it's the first song in this chunk of great songs, and I think it's really interesting. Like I I, I think it's very very impressive, you know. Like this a very repetitive song. The song starts with kind of a fuzzy, dirty bass line, and then a drum beat joins in, 
and like the the drum beat and the 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 bass line almost don't change until the the song ends <laughs> and like usually when the drums and bass just repeat there's kind of little change in terms of the dynamics of the song mm-hmm. but here the band uses a bunch of noises to build and break the tension and then build it again you know until the the song just becomes kind of chaotic and noisy uh, and the vocals are accompanied with this kind of string instrument or something that sounds creaky kind of like rusty metal would sound like <laughs> yeah. if you know what I mean yeah <laughs> and it just plays the same tune that that Tom York is singing which really makes the vocals creepy you know and there's a saxophone or something that starts playing in the middle of the song and it starts fairly calm but they add it to the noise near the end and and like in the end this song is just a bunch of saxophones and noises and this same fuzzy bass and the drums and and the way that the the dynamics changes throughout the song the way that it builds up and builds down and everything it's it's kind of subtle like you won't notice it until you won't put your finger on it this is a song that you just drown in you know it, you're just in it and if you don't take yourself out of it you won't notice how they do it but the whole thing is just a trance and I love the word feel it has I think it all comes together to create an amazing song maybe my favorite on this album I agree it was um One of my favorites early on because coming from sort of like the Zeppelin sound, just the raw bass line with the drumming is just, it felt very rock and roll to me, but also in a weird like new sort of sense, you know, mm. I felt like you could almost just define this as like the 2000s rock and roll, like without hearing much from the 2000s, <laughs> just felt like this is how to proceed with rock, you know, without creating classic rock, this felt like a good new sort of way to... do it and um, I just love the chaos of this one it originally I sort of felt like it was a little bit weird like a little bit sort of avant-garde you know but after a while like you get the build-up of the tension and then the relief you know like there's a few times where it sort of just dissipates yeah and you just feel like this amazing sort of like just levity when it cuts out just reading a quote um, In November 1999, Radiohead recorded a brass section inspired by the organized chaos, I think you've actually said that word, of town hall concert by the jazz musician Charles Mingus and instructed the musicians to sound like a traffic jam. Hmm. So, and um, yeah, it definitely felt like pulling up to an intersection where you've got to like give way and there's just a lot going on and then you just take a left and then you're on a highway yeah. and it's less no cars around you. Yeah, yeah, it, huh. it, it felt it very clean at the start, like do 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 do, and then it got very dirty, and then it got clean again. It's it's just, uh, it's hard to describe, but it, it's it's definitely one of my favorites as well. Then, how to disappear completely, which is 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 kind of a calm song. It has a really sad, really lonely feel to it. You know, I I I really like the lyrics here. They're they're very absorbing. He says something like. That there, that's not me. I walk through walls, I float down rivers. I'm not here. This isn't happening. I, I know that something about the lyrics and something about the music just makes me feel lonely. Mm. I, I yeah. really think it's a beautiful here. song. I think that that one is my favorite. It's not me 
it's it's so slow and touching and it's kind of like even like he's, he's even telling it to himself like some kind of a ma- mantra I don't know I really really liked it yeah it's one of my favorites as well this was my favorite for the majority of the time I I was listening to the album and then it changed at the last second <laughs> and it hasn't come up yet Radiohead chose the orchestra um, as they had performed pieces by Penderecki and Messian. Do you guys know those names? Nope. <laughs> anyway, it's integral for my later point. Johnny Greenwood, um, the only Radiohead member trained in music theory, composed a string arrangement by multi-tracking his Ondas Marton- Martinot. Anyway, <laughs> again, leads on to the next point, which is... According to Godrich, who was uh, worked with uh, Radiohead, when the musicians saw Greenwood's score, they all just sort of burst into giggles because they couldn't do what he'd written because it was impossible or impossible for them anyway. <laughs> I didn't really hear the sort of the orchestra bit as being quite difficult, but um, apparently it must have been either that or they were just very underpaid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I started out listening to this maybe the first or second listen and i didn't really get it like this is this is one of those scenarios where it sort of just felt like a slow song with like a nice sort of not a hook but just a nice repeating sort of feel like a mantra feel but then i really felt like i understood like this the way the lyrics came with the it's almost like the delayed orchestra like they would he would say something and then the orchestra in response would sort of reply it would just become uh more intense Mm. and more agitated and even sadder it just gave the it gave the sense of being very alone but also there was like a lot of space like there was no one was hearing the what was happening and he he could just like become more not aggressive but more sort of um vocal and there was just no response from like anyone else where he was trying to get it. And uh, yeah, it is one of the sadder songs. I will say it didn't really make me feel too sad. Like like some songs sort of infect you with the sadness. This one, I just liked the song, like just in a pure pleasure way. And I didn't yeah. really get any of those sort of feelings of like being uncomfortable or being sad or melancholic or something like that. But I, I don't even really count it against the song because it just felt as as good as as it was gonna be for me, and um, yeah, that that's basically all I have to say. But it was is as I said, it was like one of my favorites for uh, most of the time I was listening to it, and it just gets better as the song goes on. It's um, yeah. one, once you have some of those, especially some of his later vocal lines on those when he's saying, um, "I'm not here, this isn't happening." And then, like, the pinnacle was when he, his voice sort of melds with the orchestra at some point. It, it yeah. happens, like, yeah. definitively once, but um, there's, like, a there's like a bit where the orchestra goes up and down and his voice kind of gets lost in that. And then it's sort of like, that felt, I don't know, that felt very poignant for me. This, uh, this song really, like, puts a clear picture in my mind. You know, every time I hear it, I kind mm. of see myself standing in the middle of a a gray and empty mm. london for some yeah. reason tom york um said this was probably one of his favorite works from radiohead because it had real mm. true emotion 
And additionally, he said he wrote it at the time he was recording a lot of the music and playing the music from OK Computer. And he says it was a lot about like the pressure and the stress from having international fame, essentially. Then there's Three Fingers, which, as I said, it sometimes works for me, sometimes doesn't. It's a three-minute instrumental, kind of a midpoint of the album. Just a bunch of atmosphere. It doesn't do a lot for me, but I will say I do get lost in it. Not in a not in a particularly deep sense, but I do forget I'm listening to music when I'm listening to it. But that's yeah. about all I can say for it. I agree. And after Three Fingers, there's a song called Optimistic. And I think Optimistic kind of goes hand in hand with the next song called In Limbo. Like the first Optimistic kind of builds into the second one, into In Limbo. For a while, I didn't even notice that there were two different songs, you know? Oh, really? Okay. And I, I really like these songs. I sort of look at them um, as different songs, but I do get what you mean. Like, they do lead on. Yeah, like I listened to this album for a few times before I sat down with the lyrics, and only when I sat down with the lyrics, I noticed that they're two different songs. <laughs> In my head, they're still kind of connected. Mm-hmm. I, I really love both of these songs. The, both of these songs really contribute to the weird feel that this album yeah. has. Along with um, the national anthem, and that's about it, It's there's not much guitar in this album. Yeah, you're right. And this is one of the ones with more traditional sort of riffing. It's it's a it's a relatively like in terms of like getting the song I I think this one was probably one of the easiest to get for me like I just loved it on the first go and that's never really dissipated for me I just like it ever since and it feels more traditional to me it still has like an interesting riff and it still has a bit of like a circular feeling to it it's not it's not particularly avant-garde like maybe the national anthem or everything in its right place it's a bit more catchy it's a little bit more catchy yeah I often find I'm just listening to it and singing along so uh, which you can't do on all of these songs yeah Uh, In Limbo this one is one I sort of ended up skipping quite a bit actually when I listened to the album and I never really sort of got into it too much but as I was sort of coming up to recording this I felt oh I'll listen to it a little bit more I sort of, when I'm not putting too much expectation onto it, and I'm just sort of like kicking back, and it's and I can't reach my phone to skip or something like that, <laughs> then I then I do like it. And um, there's something weird. There's something not weird. Not every song on this album is weird. This one is. This one and optimistic aren't too too weird. But I was sort of looking for the weird in this one, and and I couldn't find it like I could in in sort of um, the national anthem. And it sort of disappointed me a little bit. But then I noticed, like, you know, it's a pretty interesting riff. The The singing is quite nice. It's It's got, like, an interesting sort of 
I wouldn't say chord structure or anything like that because I wouldn't know what I'm talking about. But it, <laughs> it definitely has like a definitely has sort of like an interesting sort of like um, an, an interesting way that like it, it, it sounds. It feels like it's constantly going down for some reason. It wasn't my favorite song at first. I kind of lost attention when it came up, but after a while, I just started listening and and trying to find out how the the song works in the context of this album. Like I tried to listen to it and think, what does this specific song bring to this album? And it has a lot of feel. It, it, I think it helps in building the the atmosphere of the album. It has a bit of weird in it. It's not the weirdest one. It contrasts well with the album. It, it brings out a lot from what this album has to offer. I'd say for this one, I would have preferred if they put this one last because the last song you don't put too much expectations on and it also has that has a feeling that's wrapping something up yeah a bit yeah so i i would have liked if they put this one after motion picture soundtrack and then there's idiotic or idiotech Which is a song I had a hard time with. Like, something about the rhythm didn't attract me at all. Like, this is more electronic than a lot of the others. I had an aversion to this kind of rhythm at first. But after a while, I tried to focus on the feel of the song and see how it connects with the other songs, like I did with In Limbo. And, I don't know, when I tried to listen to it in the context of the album, it just fit in perfectly. And... Maybe because I used to skip it, or maybe because I didn't really pay attention to it at first, and then, like, I paid extra attention to it later, it became one of my favorite songs, actually. Okay, so this overtook How to Disappear completely to become my favorite song of the album. And for a while I was thinking, it can't be Idiotic. Idiotic cannot be my favorite <laughs> song in this album. It's got a synthetic drum beat and it's just got this weird chord. Like this, one of the chords just feels like one of the chords of the orcs got disconnected and you have to plug it back in again. But then it happened again. So obviously it was left in deliberately or something like that or is it and i couldn't have got a misprint because it's on spotify so um it just felt felt very odd but as i listened to it more and more i was just i was bully on this because it starts off very synthetic very superficial and then it then i feel like the mood of the song is so deep and to put it in context this is the one that really hooked me when i was like out of sleep and delusional this one felt like a very confused person and the reason I say that is I'll say because firstly um, as we're listening to now in our little clip he often doesn't complete the sentence and he just says oh you've got the gist I'm just going to continue it's like he's <laughs> he's like slurring his words and he's getting ready for the next line and he just sooner than the tails off and you can't even hear it it's just very like a primitive singing almost like it's like the, the singing you do when you're not confirming the lyrics yet and you're just trying to think about how the beat goes and you kind of forget some of the lyrics and stuff it just feels like that yet it's it's a little bit more structured than that and 
it's um and it kind of goes between this this fast paced like slurring of like different things and like all the lyrics are suggesting like um a sort of pulling his attention and then he goes into this really beautiful um everything all the time which is like this repetitive mantra and because it's so high pitched it almost feels like a like a call for help almost like um so in i look at it as if all the lyrics are sort of just him in a delusion and then when it cuts to the everything all the time that's him like can't you see him in a delusion like it you know get me out yeah and then it goes back to it again it feels it feels very helpless and just just the the drums which i imagine it's just he has a headache and it's just all he can think of out is just this like drum beat hammering his head and then the then the chord structure um suddenly makes sense like the weird chord sound just feels like a, you know, where you have a headache and you're just like, wow, is that air conditioner like really loud today? Like it just has that yeah. hangover yeah. sort of no sleep. And it just feels like someone who's just very delusional, even not drunk because drunk feels more happy. This one feels more like drugs or something like that. And um, yeah. I think that's why they're called idiotic. It's just... It's just a mess, like, and not a traffic jam. It feels very self-caused, like, or even not self-caused, but happening to one person, you know. And um, very focused. Yeah, this was this was just my favorite because it just it just felt very raw, and especially when I had no sleep and I was, and I just had this first-hand experience of like, oh, the drum, oh, turn it <laughs> off, and then, and then like. Like I would, I'd be listening to it, and I'd be listening to lyrics, and you'd be slurring the lyrics. I'm like, did you slur it? Nah, surely not. And like, because I, I was slurring <laughs> my my thoughts, so I couldn't even hear. And then, then I go into the everything all the time, which was actually quite smooth, like because it had that yeah. bit where it's sort of everything all the time, you know, yeah. Like it just, it kind of was like putting my head on a pillow for a little bit, and then bam back to it and I was like oh god like it it frustrated me but then when I actually had a good night's sleep came back to it it was like the catchiest thing it was just like ingrained in me and I kept thinking about it when it wasn't on ah it's just it was a real journey for this one but this one is as much as I do like how to disappear completely and it's it it might be a deeper song in some respects or at least um, it doesn't require sort of like a synthetic drum beat to accomplish its task. It this one just feels like a this weird mix between superficiality and um, being in a delusion and and sort of being uncertain about where you are and it, it, it's like a just it's just controversy in a song. But um, yeah, so this was my favorite. And then there's Morning Bell, the penultimate song. It's another song that kind of sometimes worked for me and sometimes didn't. Like, 
I, when I listened to this album out of order, you know, like when I chose specific songs to listen to, this wasn't a song I picked often, but when I was listening to the album while doing something else and I didn't pay full attention to it, this song is pretty good. Like, I, it, mm. it worked for me. It's not my favorite song, but it's not bad. Like, all the songs that had this weird feeling, I liked, but it's not my favorite one. Yeah, I, I agree with that. This annoyed me because I couldn't tap my feet to it. <laughs> like, because of, of the time, um, the the beat timeness of it. <laughs> time signature. Yes. And, uh, yeah, so I was, like, trying to tap my feet and it wouldn't work. So it frustrated me just because of that. And after I got over that, it kind of, it kind of was fun. It was a, it's a fun yeah, song. Yeah, it is. But... I feel like it has a little bit more friction to get into it. Even stuff I didn't really like that much, like In Limbo, it still felt harder to really love the song. Um, It just didn't have that, like, very intuitive way to listen to it, you know? And um, the one thing I will say that I really liked off this song, I really love the bass. And it really comes in towards the second half of the song where you sort of notice what's going on because it isolates itself like a little bit but i love the bass on this song i love the bass and then there's motion picture soundtrack which this is the second song that made me feel just nothing and kind of feels stuck i don't know like this kind of makes the the ending of the album a bit weak and a bit disappointing for me and i don't know like this is supposed it feels like a a song that is full of emotions and stuff but something about it didn't work for me there's a bit in the middle of this song where the there are harps playing and the sound becomes a bit fuller and it sounds clean and dreamy if you know what i mean so i sometimes wonder about that part like is this kind of a good ending for the album but you know i don't know because like then i read the lyrics and it seems as if he's committing suicide (laughs) there so i totally i totally agree with with that i think I also kind of felt that it was very weird when after this song, like the, the album ends. Like I remember I was waiting for something else. Yeah. Uh, it has its, you know, a bit of melancholic uh, funeral tone, but like I wouldn't, yeah, I agree, I wouldn't end with that. Well, this one actually reminded me a little bit of something else. It felt like a themed song in the same way Community do sort of homages to different sort of stars of television, like Law and Order or like a um, documentary or something like that. This one felt like it was almost going for like something else. And then I listened to, um, after this album, I listened to OK Computer, and there's one called Exit Music, and in brackets, for a film. And it felt like that one was, like, a very themed one as well. It felt like, oh, yeah, if, if anyone's making a film, here you go. You know, it felt like that. And this one felt like a almost like the same thing, like maybe that I'd put in a film or something like that. And... Um, like this kind of leads on to my little fact is um okay so york had recorded a version of motion picture soundtrack on piano during the okay computer sessions oh really for kid a he recorded on a harmonium pedal organ influenced by songwriter tom waits who oh. you like and on 
I knew um, it. I Greenwood knew it. Ad- <laughs> Greenwood added samples of harps, attempting to recreate the atmosphere of 1950s Disney films. So it, it felt themed to me, huh. which isn't anything good or bad, but I didn't like how artificial it sounded at the start. Like it felt like they were almost just ripped off an MP3 of like a Disney film and just put it in. And <laughs> But after a while, I sort of, I don't know. I, I, I liked its quirkiness. It was a very quirky one. And it was also, it definitely felt like they were going for something. Even if they didn't achieve it 100%, felt like they had the audacity to sort of, no no one's putting like these weird like star um, sounds and, you know, th- these weird like bits where the tape cuts out and then they put in another tape and then it restarts again. Like no bands are doing that. And that feels at least of of token value to me so um i didn't mind it it was okay i didn't want to bring it up but it the every time i heard this song it was weird to me that this song out of all the songs didn't work for me because mostly the beginning it does sound like a tom waits song it does remind you of tom waits especially to me at least the album blood money so the song that sounds like tom waits which is my favorite artist didn't work for me I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> kind of um, weird. <laughs> I thought it was a weird one to finish on as well. I'll agree with Barrio. And I think um, don't swap them, but just put in Limbo last and let Motion Picture be second last. Hmm. I reckon that would have been better. So let's talk about the lyrics of the album. Uh, did you guys sit and read the lyrics? Uh, not a lot of them. I did for Idiotech. Idiotic, but um, but not too much. There was it was it was it just felt like a call for help almost uh, or cry for help. But um, yeah, so not a lot. What about you? I read the lyrics once or twice. Yeah. Like at first, I thought they were just random stuff, you know, just there to fill the void, and I wasn't even sure if they meant anything at all. Like I wasn't sure if they were there to tell a story or if they were at all connected to one another. Mm. But uh, like I later read about the situation in which Tom York has entered this writing process. And I think this gave a lot of clues for the meaning of the lyrics. I read their prior album, as you mentioned, OK Computer was a huge success. And they toured and played those songs for like three years. And by the end of that, Tom York like (laughs) had more than enough of that. Like I read he was totally burnt out and that... Not only he didn't want to play these songs anymore, he didn't want to play that genre anymore, and also he just didn't want to play guitar anymore. So when they started working on this album, he was in a really, really weird place. I tried to put myself in his shoes. That made the the lyrics make a lot more sense to me, and the, the feel of the album make a lot more sense to me. Like, imagine that you're totally burnt out. You're tired. You, you're just trying to think gives you a headache and every little noise is annoying and you can't find a comfortable position and nothing is working out for you. And also imagine being in a place where the things that you not only loved but worked so hard to achieve, maybe they're even part of your self-definition, like writing music for a rock band or playing the guitar. Imagine that those don't appeal to you anymore and you just want to get away from them. Suddenly, you don't know who you are. Your sense of self kind of feels empty. I think that if you put this exhaustion and loss of identity together, you get the feelings that that are portrayed in this album. You know, you get loneliness and you get this sense of disconnect from everyone around you. And you get uncertainty and noise and messiness. When you think of that, this album is like the natural step forward for this band. It makes a lot of sense. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel like they were at a crossroads and they just had to quantum leap into the next um, dimension almost just to <laughs> <Yeah>. like, think <laughs> of something new to do. So maybe a bit of context as well in terms of um, what songs made the album. Got a little bit of one of my fun facts. Um, having completed over 20 songs, they considered a double album. Oh, really? But felt the material was too dense. Instead, Radiohead saved half the songs for their next album, Amnesiac, released the following year. I didn't know that. York said Radiohead split the work into two albums because they cancel each other out as overall finished things. They come from two different places, I think, in some weird way. I think Amnesiac gives another take on Kid A, a form of explanation. Deciding the track list created arguments, and O'Brien, he's in the band, remember, <laughs> said the band had come close to breaking up. It was really fraught. That felt like it could go either way. It could break, but then it came in next day, and it was resolved. And I have gone to the trouble to listen to a few of these Radio Hell albums that they claim are so good, and I'll tell you now, Amnesiac is garbage. Really? I'll just say it. I'm not joking either. Like, um... I think there's one song I like and only for the riff. It's called I Might Be Wrong and it's got a sick riff. But Maybe you're wrong. Maybe I am wrong. <laughs> I had a whole dialogue thinking about how I might be wrong about I might be wrong. But anyway, um, there's another popular one called Pyramid Song, which I thought was neither here nor there. Uh, but again, I might be wrong. It didn't connect at all. I, I listened to it with a friend, so I had a witness and he didn't like it at all. It was, yeah, it was just, it, it didn't click at all. And I was thinking, thank God they didn't put any of those songs in Kid A because, like, maybe it's like when you when you create two things and you say, oh, well, we'll give the first thing out. And you go, oh, well, let's pick some of the better songs, you know, if we're releasing it now in case we have some other good songs. Well, I feel like they might have done that and then they just never got any better songs to make up for the lack of great ones on Amnesiac. But, look... Just, I'm not a fan of that one. I'll have to give it a go. I've, I've been thinking about the album, and I've kind of read about how they recorded it and how they worked and wrote the music. And I I have to say, this is an album I wish I could have seen the writing and recording process of. I wish I could have been there and see it. Because, like, you know, sometimes when you're working with other people on something artistic, you kind of find yourself having to describe in words what type of feel you're going for or what you're trying to achieve. And sometimes it's hard to describe, so you play a rough example to show the general direction. But with this album, not only the music is so abstract and amorphous, it's also very new to the band, like from what I've read, because they used instruments they never used before. They played in a style that was fairly new to them. And also, when they started, they, they weren't all on the same page, you know? And I don't know if one of them took the lead with this album or they all had their part in it, but the, the result speaks for itself. Like, they managed to make something that's consistent. You know, the, the, the themes are explored from a few different angles, and it seems that they got on the same wavelength after all. Uh, it must have been a tough process to go through, and I would have loved to see what challenges they faced and how they overcame them. I think I will eventually maybe know a little bit more because I'm planning on listening to the Radiohead for quite a long time now in the same way that Queen was a good introduction to, um, well, Queen, I guess. <laughs> but um, Wembley 1986 was a good introduction to Queen. I think today is a pretty good starting point for Radiohead, actually. When would you guys play this album? 
Would you play it with friends in the car? Or would you play it alone? Or wh- when's the perfect time? Because like we talked earlier, this album doesn't work in every environment, in every context. Mm. And obviously, each album has the perfect kind of uh, conditions to listen to. But this one, I think it's, it, it needs more specific conditions. This one, this one worked well for me in two locations. One was alone in the car. Very nice to listen to on the way home and to work. And then the other one was actually at work, like when I'm doing work, because a little bit for a superficial reason, but because there weren't too many sort of lyrics, or at least it was it was quite sparse, it was really good for like sort of concentration, just getting in a zone, getting in sort of a, um, not a trance, but more a, a flow yeah. state. And um, yeah, that especially like things like everything in its right place, um, the national anthem, uh, even idiotic was um, was great um, for those reasons, and um, yeah, it, it it was good. Um, definitely, sort of more alone listening. It doesn't feel like something I would um, chuck on at a party. No, <laughs> but um, maybe 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 the first song if I was at a party or something. But mostly they're more private listening. I'd say. What about you? I think alone. Like like a place that you can you can do like introspective and maybe just a peaceful place. But I think it's a very Individual, personal experience. Yeah, personal experience. Yeah. I think we're all on the same page here. Like I I definitely I agree. It's either alone in the car where you can turn the music up, or when you're doing something with your hands, you're free to think. I don't know. I, it's not something I would share with other people. Like like you guys both have said, it's it's kind of personal. Or you know another perfect place for this album is like when you're lying in bed in the dark with headphones and you're <laughs> closing your eyes and just yeah. in it. Yeah, that was like my experience actually listening to it when I couldn't sleep. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, that, was, that was some tough times. <laughs> anyway, um, so I've listened to most of their albums. What order would you prefer? I can give them to you in best to worst in my personal opinion or I can give them from um, just the release date. What would, you, what would you like? Best to worst. Okay, so... My favorite album is called In Rainbows, and In Rainbows was released in 2007, so seven years after Kid A, and In Rainbows is a very good album, and unlike Kid A, I would say it's not an album that you need to solely listen to by yourself. I think it's one that you would Mm. put on for a crowd or even a party, and it starts off with probably one of the better party songs, probably the, the one I would choose. Uh, called 15 step it's very upbeat and then it goes into my favorite song of the album called body snatches which is a very heavy guitar and searing vocals and it's got some really good highlights in fact there's sparse few average songs and no bad songs either i'd say all the songs really pass muster for me so 15 step body snatches and jigsaw falling into place would be my three to sort of preview that album to see if it's something you would like the next one behind that is kid a and we've talked about that yeah we mentioned it the one after that it was between okay computer and the bends but i think i want to go the bends because i'm just going for that indie factor like it's a little bit different and um it's a, it's quite heavy I, I would say it's their heaviest but more of like a grunge or like a typical 90s sort of sort of um, heaviness to it. I'd say my my two favorite were actually not the heavy songs from those album from that album. It's um, High and Dry, which a lot of people will recognize, 
and also fake plastic trees. So definitely give those two a listen. As I said, the next one will definitely have to be OK Computer. So um, people can stop yelling at me now. <laughs> and um, Exit Music for a Film was the one I mentioned before that's on that album. And that's very good. However, my favorite uh, on that album is called Electioneering. A fantastic riff, some fantastic vocals on that one. And I th- I feel like for me that epitomizes the album, but I think a lot of other people will go for something something else, maybe like Paranoid Android. And if I had to pick another one, I would pick uh, No Surprises, which is a little bit less sort of upbeat, a little bit more melancholy, but um, nevertheless, it's very catchy and very nice. So um, OK Computer is very good in my book. It's just... Um, they have other good songs as well. So after that one, I'll say uh, their most recent original release, or not a re-release. In 2016, they released A Moon-Shaped Pool. It's a 52-minute album, so a little bit longer, but it all sort of melds into one, but in a nice way. It's a very mood mood album, so like something you would want to put on when you're playing maybe chess or something you would want to play when you're playing board games, something that's not going to interrupt your concentration or play at work even. But it does feel a little bit more pleasant than something you do at work. Like, it's not as electronic as I would like it to be to listen to it at work. It's it's more, it's more chill than that. There are some upbeat songs. Burn the Witch is a very good one. My personal favourite off the album called The Numbers. But I would say... Overall, it's a very nice, it's almost like a, for me, I treat it as a 50 minute track of um, inventive yet still um, palatable. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it is an interesting one. It is an interesting one. The only reason it's not ranked higher is because sometimes I find it hard to identify what, what song is which because they all sort of meld together for me. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, not at all. Then I also listened to... Pablo Honey, which is um, not good. It's not good. And um, it ages very poorly. I can see how people think it was very good when it came out. Very cool, hip thing to listen to. And um, the one that sort of defines this album is Creep, which I don't particularly like that much. I think it's a passable song, but not much more. And besides that, I don't think I have another song that I really particularly like from this album, but I listened to it once, like expecting good things from it, and I wasn't exactly impressed but um it's it's not terrible it's it's just in fact everything fits together nicely in terms of every song kind of feels like a different color of the album, but it's um it's just not super inventive and um sort of suffers. And then the last one I've listened to, because I haven't listened to Hail to the Thief in 2003, haven't got to that one yet, but um, the last one I listened to was Amnesiac, which I would rank dead last. And um, give it a go. You might think differently. It's more inventive than Pablo Honey, but I can't even give it a token point because it just it just doesn't blend. They do a version of Morning Bell. Um, they call it Morning Bell slash Amnesiac. Oh, really? Where they proceed to um, butcher the song completely. <laughs> and um, then the song that I don't mind, and when I mean I don't mind, I mean I might not turn it off, would be um, I Might Be Wrong. And uh, the Pyramid song, I can see the appeal, but it's not not my bag of beans. And that's about it. I'm not too, not too um, ready to jump back into this album yet, so... I gave OK Computer and the Benz a go. Mm. 
And um, I didn't love them. Like, I don't know. They're extremely 90s music, mm. which it's not necessarily a bad thing. And I don't know. Something about the whole feeling of the album just didn't speak to me. Just not my kind of music. Oh, both? Yeah, both of them. Okay. Um, I don't know. I might give them another listen because, I don't know, Kid A really got me interested in this band. I plan to listen to In Rainbows and Amnesiac because that sounds interesting. But I don't know. Uh, OK Computer and the bands, uh, they sounded good. I liked the sound. They're heavy. They're fun. But the type of feeling just doesn't speak to me too much. I would definitely encourage people, if you did like Kid A, I would definitely encourage you to to try in rainbows because you don't want to, I'm not going to set you homework to listen to five albums, but <laughs> if you need something after you get through um, motion picture soundtrack and you're feeling like you have another 15 minutes of your drive, listen to the first couple of songs of um, in rainbows and the first 10 are pretty good songs and there's only 10 on the album. So yeah. You know, I've listened, I listened to a lot of, of what, what you said and um, you know, I, I never, thought about it in, in these words but it's really interesting to listen to you it's kind of like understand so i i think i would also summarize it as a as a very good experience it was it was very fun and, and definitely like radiohead is, is one of those uh culture <laughs> gaps that i already always had yeah it's been fun and i gotta say it was it turned out to be really different from what i thought yeah <laughs> it would be and um it, i do i do feel that I explored an, an, art, an uncharted territory for, uh, for myself. For me, it was a bit of a random number generator pick for me. I just didn't really <laughs> understand who the band was, why they called it Kid A and not Kid B. And yeah, it was a whole bunch of confusingness to me and um, came out the other side with a, with a best of radio head playlist, having listened to five or six albums of them and it's exactly what i wanted from the culture quest it just gave me like a drop of the kool-aid and now i'm head over heels into radiohead so <laughs> um yeah I, I i think this was a fantastic um album to listen to and um i loved it yeah I really, I can't say it enough, love the atmosphere in this album. I love how weird it feels. I, I, I love a good album that takes you, you know, to somewhere strange, kind of. There, there's albums that excite me and take me places and, and really, really, really move things in me. And this didn't do that that much. But I'm really happy that I got to experience it. Other than the fact that it colored my last couple of weeks with weird colors, it was on my mind a lot. Like, I kept trying to figure out bits of the lyrics and how the songs work together and stuff. And the more I listened to it, I felt like I'm getting more and more out of it. And the only thing that didn't grow with this album is the two songs that I mentioned. They just didn't resonate with me at all. I kind of thought that I just have to keep listening to them until something clicks. Never happened. Mm. So all in all, I'm left with very positive feelings toward this album. I don't think I'll forget about it soon, and I plan to listen to other Radiohead albums next, like we've mentioned. So as we do at the end of each step of our quest, we're going to take a vote that will decide whether or not Kid A has a place in the Culture Quest Essentials Guide. We will each have the chance to persuade each other and state our case for or against Kid A's induction to the Quag, and then we will vote with a gentlemanly tip of the hat for yay and an ominous stroke of the mustache for nay. And the vote must be unanimous in order for it to pass. So, my esteemed friends, let's have a vote. Going into the voting, I 
I know I'm up against the fence with this one and I don't mind. I, it would have been great if it could get in, but it feels maybe a little bit more personal to me. This one, like I just, I connected pretty much automatically and the, the list of songs that I liked off this album just grew over time and it could still grow. I could still start to like some of the songs that I didn't quite get, such as um, Motion Picture Soundtrack, for instance. It, it just did things for me. And I felt like I discovered a new sort of genre of music. And now I don't feel like as timid to get into sort of 90s stuff. Like it definitely opened up a whole decade for me. And let alone just getting into Radiohead themselves. Like um, I've listened to the other albums and I've got so much stuff from them. They probably won't be on my short list, but they'll be on my sort of my long list of stuff I would I would play. And um, they have so many different moods as well. So I don't feel like I'm getting a one hit wonder. The case I would make for it being essential would just be to say it's a change of style for one of the biggest bands in rock and the other thing I'll say is that it's it's just highly regarded I I I don't I don't feel too much pressure here to sort of convert hearts and minds but it's it's just a big sort of cultural gap for me that I I'm so happy I filled well this album is definitely an experience I think I think we can all agree on that, like it's very special and it's definitely worth a listen. But the question is if that specific album should be in the in our in our culture guide. And I'm not entirely sure because I can say while it was an interesting experience, I, I can't say it's something that I will necessarily take further. Radiohead as a band is something that is very part of at least our generation's culture yeah they're they're a huge cornerstone of the genre and of the time yeah definitely i agree but the question is regarding this specific album i think that most people that will give this album a listen or two even if they're into music that isn't perfectly conventional will feel like they're doing something a bit adventurous if you know what i mean like this is a good practice in living your comfort zone And I also think that if you really get into this album and analyze it and stuff, then it has a lot to offer. Um, On the other hand, for an album with so much atmosphere, it didn't really get me as much as I hoped it would. When I'm trying to disconnect my feelings about this album from this decision, I find it hard maybe to recommend it to people because I feel like it has a high threshold to pass in order to enjoy, you know? Then again... I know, I like this album and I want to direct people towards it. I, you both have said it, like this is a big 90s, early 2000s album. Radiohead has been one of the biggest bands in the world since OK Computer came out. And the whole experience was really good. Peter, do you want to, I think you have the most obvious vote here. So maybe you should vote first. Sure. Uh, I'll tip my hat to this. I'll vote it in. So for me, it's an ominous trope of the mustache. Cool. So this is out, and I am really on the fence here. Um, not not that it matters, but it doesn't matter. Um, just out of interest, just out of uh, you know, because I get to vote. Okay, I'm gonna give this an ominous stroke of the mustache. And this album, while I think we all really enjoyed, is out of the quick. So our next episode is going to be about. Uh, documentary 
that is called Jiro Dreams of Sushi. It's a documentary from uh, 2011. The first thing that, that came into mind when, when I had to pick the next topic was um, Fiddler on the Roof. But then I thought that we... Well, actually, I'm not... What, what's the last musical that we did? Uh, the producers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't do any, any musicals. I don't think we've done any musicals. Huh. So maybe I should have picked it. Never mind. Next, next time around. I will get to Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah. But um, I don't think we discussed... Um, food maybe it makes sense you know because like usually when you talk about culture you know we mainly focus on you know movies tv music books comic books but i think like food is something that is very much cultural so um i think that that could be an interesting push towards talking about it and it's supposed to be a good movie i know in my experience good documentaries tell broad story like here, it's it's an old guy making sushi. And then they manage to get a bit deeper and find all of the smaller storylines and tell a more personal story that we can learn from. Like, I've heard about this movie a few times. I've heard it's really interesting. And I wonder what it has to say. So this could be a good experience. I don't want to get anyone's hopes up. But um, I just went on the, the sort of the Netflix video of like when it gets um, announced that it will be arriving on Netflix, which was seven years ago, by the way. But um, the top comment is, um, this is the best thing you'll ever watch in your whole life, guaranteed. Wow. So <laughs> High expectations. Yeah. There's, there's little to no hedging going on there, but... Um, <laughs> Maybe I'll watch this every day if it's that good. <laughs> well, he said yeah. it's the best thing you'll ever watch, not necessarily experience. <laughs> so there's, like, when I'm rank- like, when we get to the end... And I'm on my deathbed. Well, I'll say, oh, you know, there was a really good album. I mean, that's basically the only thing that was better than Jiro <laughs> Dreams of Sushi. So, <laughs> nah, I kid. But it actually looks really nice. It looks has that feeling of, um, you know, where, where you, you watch people do things like woodworking or leather making where you would never go to the effort to set up you know the tools to do it but it's nice to watch other people i feel like the same part of my brain will light up on the fmri if i watch this <laughs> yeah, he's supposed so. to be a master in his craft so that's always something nice to see it would be bad to watch a guy who's just <laughs> average to poor <laughs> yeah the one sushi, that makes it? all the, the packed sushi that you can buy at the gas station <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even though i'd love to have yeah. a pick into that industry <laughs> so thank you peter and thank you barrio for staying true to our goal And thank you, the listeners at home, for helping us along the latest stage of our quest. We hope that you join us again next episode, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. See ya. See ya. The Culture Quest Podcast is part of All the People Network. Visit our website at culturequestpodcast.com to contact us or see a list of our upcoming episodes. Follow us on Twitter at CQ underline podcast and tell your friends about us. Find out more information about All The People Network and the other podcasts it includes at allthepeoplenetwork.com. Well, hello there. I'm Brian Wayne, host of the Cheers to Comics podcast, and I'm here to bring you the ultimate comic book podcast for readers and lovers and collectors of all levels. Whether you're trying to get caught up on last week's books or you're just looking to check out the latest interview with the latest creator, this is the podcast for you. So, if you're looking for a comic book show that doesn't stray away from the topic and you're looking to get an insight from a 
true fan and lover of this industry, then tune into the Cheers to Comics podcast three times a week as I, Brian Wayne, raise a glass to this wonderful, wonderful industry that is comics. Cheers.